Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. Well, today we're, we're kicking off a new series um, that I've been uh, excited about for months. The, the team always teases me because we start a new series and it's like, man, I'm so excited about this series. And and they're like, you're excited about every series. And I'm like, well, yeah. <laughs> and so they're, they're exciting. They're, we, there's, a, there's a thought and a flow behind it, and we're, we're pumped about it. And this series, we're calling Before the Door. Because today, all of you had a before-the-door moment. You got here, but you woke up this morning bef- on the other side of your bedroom door, on the other side of your home door. And things began to get going. You, you made the decision that, yep, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get up. And so you decided to not hit the snooze again. You decided that you were going to go ahead and get up. You decided you were going to go ahead and, you know, and most of you brush your hair and, and, and make that move. And so, and um, I'm kidding. And, um, and so, and go that direction. And you've, you made a decision before the door. And guess what? You're, you're here. But guess what? Our entire lives are affected so much by what happens in those moments before the door. Life after the door gets impacted so much before the door. And we're going to spend the next eight weeks looking at how we can begin to be intentional and purposeful and spirit-led in this moment. Now, here's what I want to tell you. What I don't want, this is not, we've, we've disconnected this series far enough from the fervor of New Year's resolutions, okay? This isn't about um, New Year's resolutions. This isn't about um, getting together some sort of uh, religious practice and, and, and getting under some sort of burden, okay? This is about being intentional and spirit-led in our moments before the door and allowing God to begin to, to um, use those moments and maybe create some moments that maybe we don't normally have. Get up a little earlier, do something, and, and have some time. So what I want to do is remove all the weight off of it. There's not going to be any pressure on this. We want to let the Holy Spirit begin to lead us in this. So if you have your bulletin open, you have your version app open, you can begin to track along in this, and I've pretty much already covered this concept, that the life on the other side of the door is impacted by what you do before you walk through it. And a lot of times we don't really embrace the fullness of this because we don't see the significance of those moments. We don't see the significance of it. We don't see that, it's, that those little things can be a big deal. And, and I love what <clears throat> is written here in Zechariah. Zechariah uh, 4.10. And it says, Do not despise the day of small beginnings. So many times we don't like small beginnings. We don't like the fact that we just simply got started. We just simply got started. Years ago, I had completed uh, a marathon. And so it was actually 10 years ago I completed a marathon. It was not awesome. I do not want to share my time. Um, (laughs) it, It was not stellar at all. Um, but I did it, uh, 26.2 miles, I, I destroyed a pair of shoes, and, and, I, and I did it, and I wanted to accomplish something athletic in my lifetime, and that was my athletic accomplishment, and, um, but what's funny is, is, is about, um, about three years before that, 
um, I had not run as an adult. And so um, I don't want to see a show of hands, but there's a lot of us who when P.E. was over for us and there wasn't a mean coach with a whistle making us run, we never ran again. <laughs> it's just done. I'm through with it. I'm never running again in my life. And so, uh, but one day I decided, you know what, um, I'm going to go out uh, for a jog. And I was, you know, of, I was younger than I am now. I was in my uh, early, early 30s. And I should have been a little more physically fit. And I go out for a run, and I make it half a mile. And my side hurt so bad. I wanted to throw up. I, wanted to, I wish I had brought my cell phone so I could tell Cutie to come get me. But it would have been so embarrassing that she like went just a few blocks to pick me up off the curb. I'm not kidding. It was horrible. It was horrible, but I was just not used to doing it. And it was so discouraging because I was like, man, you know, I can get out there and I can knock down a, you know, a few miles. And I get about half a mile and I'm like, oh, my gosh. You know, my body is mad at me, and I'm mad at my body, and, and it was just terrible. But then I finally remembered this passage of Scripture. Don't, don't despise the day of small beginnings. It's a beginning. I'd not run at all, so half a mile was kind of a big deal. So don't despise the day of small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices. God gets excited when we begin to take our steps, we think so many times to get the accolades of heaven that we have to do something huge, amazing, some, some titanic type thing to finally get heaven's attention. And all God is wanting us to do is to begin, to just get started, to just dare to say, you know what? Nobody else may think this is significant, but God, you and I know this is kind of a big deal. You and I know it is. Nobody else would go, wow, look at what they're doing. Woo, hashtag goals. Look at them. You know, nobody is looking at it doing that. But you know and God knows it's a big deal. And so many times we don't even get started on the path we need to get started on because we don't get to go as fast as we want to. And so we stay where we are, and we do that in every area of our lives. And God has given us so much to grow in, but we can't despise that sometimes the beginning is small. Yet again, don't despise the day, these small beginnings. For the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. Now, you may not be familiar with Zerubbabel, but Zerubbabel was one of the guy who was key to rebuilding after the Israelites had been carried into captivity. And he was a key guy in the rebuilding of, of Jerusalem and rebuilding of the temple and rebuilding of the, the outer protective wall. And so here's this guy, and here's the plumb line. The plumb line is where you finally say, this is where we're going to start it, and this is how it's going to go. Nothing's been built no stone has been put in place, but we've got the plumb line out. We go, this is what we're shooting for. This is what we're moving for. And the scriptures say that God rejoices. God rejoices. In this moment before the door, God rejoices that if we just get started on some front with him, why? Because one step leads to another step, leads to another step, leads to another step. 
Um, my great-grandmother, Granny Fields, um, she was the inventor of Smile Direct Club. Um, she didn't have the little tray. She didn't have any of that, but she looked in the mirror, and she did not like her teeth. Now, this is my great-grandmother, okay? And um, she lived to be 100, and she passed away when, uh, right when Cutie and I were getting married, and we just celebrated uh, 25 years. And so if she was still alive, she'd be 125 right now. And so this is my great-grandmother. I love my Granny Fields. She was awesome. She made her mind up. She was going to live to be 100. She lived to be 100, and then she sweetly went home to be with the Lord. And, um, but she did not like her crooked teeth. And, of course, having would have been 125-year-old today, um, it was her upbringing was well before normal orthodontics and all those things. And she had heard, she had heard that your gums were softest in the morning. And that if you sit there and you messed with and you applied pressure, you could actually straighten your own teeth. And so my great-grandma, my granny Fields, sat there and in the morning she would pick a tooth that she was going to get in line. And she would grab it and twist it and put pressure on it and hold it. And she sat there and over a long period of time straightened her own teeth with her fingers in the morning. Now, what it didn't have, she didn't end up with the perfect dental work, you know, the, 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 the one that the, that the little filter puts on your teeth, you know, when you do the little Snapchat, you know, it makes your teeth look better than they really look. Um, it wasn't that straight, but it was, it was where she was happy. And so the gaps weren't what they had been. Things weren't what they were. And she could look in the mirror and be happy with the way her smile was. And she did it little by little by little, every day. Every day, she was just willing to do it. See, these, these big changes can come about if we will just embrace the tiny moments sometimes. We actually see that the negative part of this exists as well. The lovers that we find in the song, <coughs> song of Solomon recognize that it's the little things that get going. Um, song of Solomon is one of these poetry books there in the Old Testament. And honestly, if you recognize all of the imagery. Um, this is a racy book of the Bible, people. Um, it is a very racy, racy book of the Bible. Okay, they are very open about their love for one another and how they want to express that love. Uh, and so uh, in, in this poetry, in fact, Hebrew men were not allowed to read it until they're about 30 years old because it was a little a little R-rated. Um, so you got R-rated books of the Bible, um, and you didn't even know it. And now some of y'all are like, song of what? <laughs> Hashtag reading that one. And so, uh, and so uh, but anyways, we're going to read part of it today. Everybody's perking up. Woo! R-rated scriptures. Yeah, this isn't one of them. Um, song, of, <laughs> song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 15 is they recognize something, and they say, catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, our vineyards that are in bloom. The vineyard is the imagery of their love and their romance, and they're like, we need to deal with these little foxes, these little foxes that ruin it. They come in and they eat the little grapes right when they're at the beginning. They don't let them to grow and to, and to, to fully develop, and, and these little foxes are the ones that are destroying 
what's trying to grow up here. We need to deal with the little issues. The, these, in this romance, they saw that their romance was only going to be what it was meant to be as if they took care of the little things. If they took care of the little things. Married people, it comes down to the daily little things. It's not enough for anniversary to be off the charts. We got to remember the little things. We got to remember the daily things. Husbands, wives, we got to remember the daily things. It's those things that to do it. And it's the little things that come away and eat at it. We need to remember that. And the scriptures tell us that. See, God shapes the biggest part of our life through the little things that we do with him each day. I want us to see here in the life of Jesus. Let's look at the book of Mark. Here in Mark chapter 1, of course, it's the first thing Mark writes. And um, we see this picture of Jesus, part of his, his daily routine. In Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Now, Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus had perfect communion and connection with the Father. But Jesus had it in his daily routine to go and spend some time with the Father in prayer. To go and connect daily in prayer. And it was in that moment and in those regular habit, everyday important things. Those daily little things that he did before his door. Before his day got started. That set up these places for him to be able to, to operate out of. As he ministers, he multiple times says, I don't do anything unless I see the Father doing it. I am led by what the Father, what's important to the Father. How does he know that? It's his time before the door that he does it. We get to his most pivotal moment when the cross is right there before him. And let's look at Mark chapter 14. So we saw it early in Mark. Now we're going to look at the end of Mark. Mark chapter 14, verse 32. It says, And they went to a place called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. There's a lot going on with Jesus. Jesus is distressed and troubled. And in his prayer, he says, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. As he is dealing with this, he is just expressing where he's at to his heavenly Father. This doesn't sound like the normal petition prayer. At this part of it. Lord give me, give me, give me, give me. It's just sounds like somebody talking to somebody they know cares. My soul is in anguish. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He said stay here and keep watch. Going a little further. He fell to the ground and he prayed that if possible the, the hour might pass from him. Abba Father he says everything is possible for you. I love this declaration. Everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. See, he was in a regular routine of saying, not I will, but you will. He was in a regular routine of, of connecting with the Father and saying, not I will, but you will. Matthew chapter 13 says he told them this parable. The kingdom of heaven, he wants them to understand how it works. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. 
And though it's the smallest of all the seeds, yet when it grows, it's the largest of garden plants and yet becomes a tree. So the birds come and perch in its branches. So here is this little tiny thing that gets planted in the garden. And when it comes up, it turns into a tree. He says, you know, he's saying, hey, the kingdom of God is like this. We want, to th- we want to think that sometimes the kingdom of God shows up in this big, awesome, recognizable moment and then takes over from there. But he says that the kingdom of God is like these little moments, these little things that begin to grow. God has wired these seed moments to do what they were called to do. Years ago, when we bought our first house, and um, anyways, the, the yard had not been kept for a while, and so it was my, our first house. I was, Trying to get a nice pretty yard in and and uh, put grass seed out and all that, but the but the rye grass um, just kept coming up. Well, I noticed, you know, that as the rye grass was coming up, and I didn't want the rye grass. Um, that if, when it would sit there, and the the weeks that I would not be on top of my game, um, you know, it'd get a little tall. Where the rye grass would get about so tall, and then it would head out and it would drop its little seeds. Well, rye grass is an annual. So it's, it, it's, this year's ryegrass was last year's seed, and, and that's the way it goes. Bermuda keeps living, but ryegrass reproduces itself every year. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to outsmart this ryegrass. I'm just going to mow it and mow it and mow it, and I'm just not going to let it get that tall. And then it can't put its seed out, and bam, I beat you. I beat the ryegrass because it puts out its seed when it gets this tall. So I'm just going to mow it. And I'm like mowing the hound out of my grass. People think I'm crazy, like it doesn't need to be mowed, and I'm mowing it. Look, I'm out there like, man, what is the problem with this guy? He is mowing like three times a week, and I just mowed and mowed and mowed. And so when I'm looking at it, it never, it never got, not, never even remotely got tall. And I saw those little ryegrass plants. And I looked at those little stubby mowed ryegrass plants, and you know what was there? Seeds. I was like, oh my gosh, seriously? They're wired, built to reproduce. They're built to do what they're called to do. Not just in the ideal circumstances. Ryegrass would love to just grow and get tall and never be mowed and drop its little seeds out there and do it and just be wispy in the wind. That's what ryegrass wants to do. That's what it wants to do. But it ended up in my yard. And I mowed that sucker. But you know what it still did? It didn't get wispy. It didn't get tall. It didn't get to have its fun. But it still reproduced. It still reproduced. We need to see those moments, those, those before-the-door moments, those seed moments, that even if the circumstances that we are in, it doesn't feel like that, that they're letting us grow the way we should. It doesn't feel like that we could be able to be as free as we want to be, that things are a little more restrictive and the world keeps cutting us off. Guess what? Those seeds will produce. It will still produce. It's not worthless. So many times we say, well, you know what? I'll begin to do the stuff when the right circumstances are there. When I believe if that seed can go out and I can be wispy and blow in the wind and grow and everything I want to do, and then I'll place the seed. No, God says, do the seed now. Do the seed now. It will produce. 
Even if you don't feel like you're in the best circumstance or the best situation, still do it. Still take those little kingdom-shaping seed moments. And it makes a difference. It makes a difference. See, God has chosen to bring new life to the world through the daily lives of his kids. The daily lives. That's what God is, how he has shaped it. You and I are here. You and I are here. Thousands of miles away. Thousands of years later from when all that Mark and Matthew and Luke write about. And we're here in an old furniture store celebrating the goodness and the grace of God because of the daily lives of believers just day in and day out being faithful. Let's look at God's plan for this. John 3.16, that he gave his son to save the world. Let's look at his fulfilled 3.16 plan. Let's look at Matthew 28. It says, and then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So he's, he's turned them loose, a handful of people. Jesus is going. He's ascending into heaven, and he's turned it over to a handful of people. Go and make disciples. We catch up in Acts chapter 2. It's been happening. It's been going on for a little bit. Not a long time, but it's been going on for a little bit. It says, And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Daily, every day, someone else was coming to Christ. Every day, someone else was understanding that God loved them and was for them and cared about them. Every day, it just began to, to snowball. And what were they doing? What were they were doing? They met together in the temple courts. They, they broke bread in their homes. They were fellowshipping. They were connecting. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They were thankful and joyful. Praising God and enjoying the favor of the people and the Lord added to their number. This doesn't look like this big, intense movement. This looks like people loving God and loving others every day. Loving God and loving others every day. And this is how God added to it. Folks, this is why our small groups are so important. We're getting our small groups kicked off and getting those going. We've got our small groups on the back of the bulletin. And for the next eight weeks that co coincides with this series, we're going to be having small groups right here in the sanctuary. So if you don't already have a small group, I can tell Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock, there will be a short recap of the teaching here. And then there will be an opportunity to pray together. And there will be some table leaders. And there will be an opportunity to discuss this and go into it and to make some relationships and in here, right in this space, 7 o'clock on Wednesdays for the next eight weeks, you'll be able to meet some people and connect with some people, and your life will begin to be impacted right here. Begin to get into a small group. Begin to connect. That was what was happening in the other church. It made a difference. And let's look. 
at the big finish. Let's look at where all of this is going. John the Revelator got to see in a vision what this was going to look like when, this, when God's plan was all played out. And here in Revelation chapter 7 verse 9, it says, And after this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every tribe, from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing there before the throne and the Lamb. And they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. The Lamb there, it's Jesus. If, if you're new to this church thing, it's, it's Jesus. The scriptures refer to him as the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And so here we see they're at the end of this all. It's not just this little handful of people who do all the little stuff just perfect and, 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 and that end up in heaven. It was a, there was this great multitude. There was a sea of humanity that no one could number. That no one could number. Folks, that means that God made a way for a whole lot of us to, to get in. People that are going to surprise you. People that are going to surprise you. You're like, whoa, you're here too. And they're going, whoa, you're here too. Like, Look at God. I really didn't think that. But he's at work. He's at work here. And it's, it happens. Why? Because the love of God it says love covers a multitude of sin. Love covers a multitude of sin. Man, God is good. He's good. He's good. He's good. And he's here to bring life and give us life. We wrap up with Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12. The writer of Hebrews says, We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Folks, these moments before the door, they do take a little effort. That's why it says don't be lazy. Lazy is being refusing to put forth effort. They do take a little energy. Take a little effort. But through faith and patience, trusting that God is who he said he is and he's done what he said he's going to do, and patience, just being willing to give God and others the room for it to come to fruition, then we inherit what's been promised. Folks, these moments, these moments that we're going to talk about and what they look like and all of those different things, these moments before the door, they matter. They matter a lot. They matter a lot more than we even wrap our minds around. And so our bottom line today is, is that the moments before the door will set you up to soar. That's where it happens. That's where it happens. To make sure that we're in a place where we're leaning into God. We look to him first. I get it. I'm not an early morning person either. I'm not. But I've been down this road long enough to know that those days that I, I, that I, I let things get away from me and, and I hit the ground running and, and I... And I look up and, and things have gotten out of control. And I've not had my before the door moments, man. It's a much different day 
then I'll just take a little, a little bit of time and have those before-the-door moments and say, all right, God, lead me, guide me, direct me. What do you want to say? What do you want to do? What, what do I need to do? Let me be sensitive to your voice. Let me hear my Father leading me. And I'm telling you, it makes all the difference in the world. See, before you leave your home, connect with God in a meaningful way. That's all this is about. That's all this is about, connect with God in a meaningful way. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.